I, I can't believe it because as I'm driving down the street, all of a sudden, I heard it. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? It, it was, it, it just came so quickly. It, it was hard for me to even believe that it was here. It was Christmas music. <laughs> And my wife is the kind of person that will listen to Christmas music in July. And uh, I'm not that kind of person. Christmas music belongs at Christmas. I'll listen to it probably for a week or so before Christmas. I'm not a ball humbug, but uh, that's just, that's just kind of the person I am. Now, I, the older I get and the more kids I have, because evidently, well, anyway, I, <laughs> getting a lot of kids, I will listen to Christmas music more and more. But the salvation bells uh, are, are starting to ring. I can, uh, I can smell cookies and hot chocolate everywhere I go. Um, I, it, it's Christmas time. And some people have just barely made it through Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. You know, for many of us, Christmas time is a time of Santa Claus, elves, reindeer, naughty or nice lists, uh, emphasis more on the naughty list this year. Um, many of us celebrate office Christmas parties and uh, uh, family and friends Christmas parties. And you know, those, those personal parties that we throw just for ourselves when we kick everybody out of the house, <laughs> right? This is a time of year where we give people $10 gifts in our gift exchanges. You know, those gifts that you bought on half price from last year's $10 gifts. It's a time of year where whether you celebrate uh, by saying happy holidays or Merry Christmas or simply acknowledge others with a <laughs> and a humbug, everybody does seem to be in celebration mode. As a matter of fact, the world is in celebration mode. They're celebrating all sorts of things, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, winter solstice, and the newly termed humanistic celebration. Are you ready for this? Human light. I, don't ask. Okay. But all people in the world are in the middle of celebrating something during this time of year. While... Everyone has their various celebrations and traditions. As Christians, we don't celebrate something. We celebrate someone. That's it. That's the difference. That's what we have this morning as we adjust ourselves to Christmas time in full swing. Uh, I want to remind us that we're not celebrating something. This is not something, it's someone. And you can have a personal relationship with that one. Many people will acknowledge that Jesus is a prophet. Some call him a good teacher. Others even acknowledge his place in history. However, some people even question if he really existed. But the only thing that matters, however, is the question that he himself asked his disciples. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. Then he said, or then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And that's really the question, isn't it? That sets the standard for our celebration. When we answer that question in a right and a proper way, 
your heart and my heart can be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving in reverence to the one who posed that question. His name is Jesus. Amen. Say it with me. Jesus. 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 Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, open our hearts to receive your word, to know and to be intimate, Lord, with the one, Jesus, in your name. Amen. God with us. That's what we say this time of year, isn't it? But I want to tell you first, I, I, I want to start out with a little Hebrew lesson. Are you ready? You, anybody ready to, to learn a little bit of Hebrew? This morning, when you walk out, you'll be able to tell your friends and loved ones that you took a mini Hebrew class. How wonderful. We'll have diplomas in the foyer. It's going to be wonderful. All right. Ready? Repeat after me. Im. Anu. El. Im. Anu. El. Try it one more time. Im. Anu. El. You get it? Emmanuel. And to us, it's a, a name. But to he, the Hebrew mind, it's a sentence. Because it simply means, with us is God. Im, with, anu, us, el. God. With us is God. Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus, referring to him as Emmanuel. Or with us is God. You see, Emmanuel is more than a name. It's the full sentence of who he is. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This encap encapsulates Jesus his very life on earth. That means that when he was sorrowful, we can translate that by saying, Emmanuel was sorrowful, or God with us in sorrow. When he was with his disciples on that boat in the Sea of Galilee and the storm was coming around, then, then Emmanuel was with us in, in the storm, God is with us in the storm. When, when we feel alone and rejected and distant, when the Holy Spirit comes, God with us, inside of us, always. And when we feel alone, God with us in loneliness. God with us in depression. God is with us. And in this Christmas season, I want you to remember that God is with you. That's his very name. God is with you. Some of us don't like celebrating Christmas because it reminds us of a loss that we've experienced over our time. Maybe you've lost a spouse or a child or a loved one in your life. Maybe your life feels like it is, is being pressed and shaken and, and torn apart because of, of the hurt and the pain that you've experienced. And so you, you, you just, you feel like you've had enough. 
You've had enough of 2021. You thought you had enough of 2020. Here came 2021. (laughs) But God is with you in the midst of it all. And you know what's funny about that is that some people would reject that. They say, well, you know what? Yeah, God is with me, but guess what? Now there's two people in the problem. (laughs) Yeah, God is with me in the storm. Great, God's in the storm too. God is with me in depression. Now two of us are depressed. <laughs> hey, you've had a friend that came alongside of you that, uh, that said that they'll come and help you and then they just sit around and sooner or later they start feeling as bad as you do. It's kind of like whenever somebody falls in the mud, they try to reach in and get you and then they fall in the mud too, right? It's tough. So what good is it that God is with us? But I want to remind you that wherever Emmanuel goes, something happens, something changes, and it'll change in your life too. It's not that two people are lonely. When God is with you and you receive him in an intimate way, then the loneliness dissipates. The darkness is lifted, and you feel the warmth of his presence. See, intimacy is a wonderful thing. But it requires something from you and your part that you have to be open and willing to walk into a relationship and begin to talk to him. Begin to commune with him. Begin to, begin to open yourself up and, and, and have honest conversation with him. For so long, our, our, our mindset of prayer is, is kneeling beside our bed and saying the rehearsed prayer or praying before you eat or, 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 or however you choose. And we get into these patterns of, of, of communication without the expectancy that he will communicate back. How many of you know what it's like for God to speak to you? That's right. And yet, more often than not, when we pray, We don't pray with an expectation that he comes into our situation and begins to speak to us and grab a hold of us and be with us. I want to remind you that 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 Emmanuel, when he was in the boat, spoke to the storm and the storm stopped. I I, I want to remind you, remind you that when Emmanuel was with the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, they weren't hurt by the fire. I want to remind you that even when Emmanuel himself cried out because of the the heartache that he had when his friend Lazarus died, he spoke and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. You know, something funny I heard is is that uh, Jesus had to have said, Lazarus, come forth, because if he just simply said, come forth, then every person that had ever died would come forth. That's the kind of authority that Emmanuel has. And I think that sometimes we forget that we celebrate the the child in the manger and we forget that he he grew up. That he he has control. He is the master and the Lord. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. (laughs) He sits at God's right hand. And he's in control. And you need to remember this Christmas season That Emmanuel means God is with us. Amen.
He has a way of changing our circumstances. But many times we forget that names are important. Titles are important. And I want to help you understand how important titles are when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. But before I do that, I want to take us back to when names in America started getting real weird. I bet some of you probably know this. Back in 1960s, at the end of that, in San Francisco in the Haight-Ashbury district, it reverted to high rent. And so many of the hippies moved down from the Santa Cruz Mountains all the way down into uh, that area and and started having families and and raising children. And they named their children the craziest names that you've you've ever heard in your whole entire life. That's where we get names like Frisbee and Time Warp and Spring Fever and and, uh, Moonbeam, Earth, Love. Precious Promises. All these, by the way, are real names. I've known one or two of these. I've known a Precious Promise. That's, a, I, that's crazy. It, it, but some people have that name. And these kids started growing up and going to the public school. And so instead of having names like Brett and I, I don't know, you know, whatever, Sarah, whatever the normal names are, Teachers started to have people come in with these interesting names. And so it was whenever the teachers met a little boy named Fruit Stand. Every fall, the teachers would welcome these kids in. And this child named Fruit Stand was a, had just moved into the area. And Fruit Stand was new in the middle of the semester, but... But he, he would kind of that first day got to know everybody and the teachers would ask him questions and he was kind of reluctant to respond because, you know, a kid the first day, they, they feel out of place and, and uh, maybe they don't, they don't want to talk. They're, they're a little bit apprehensive of being in the area. And, uh, and by the end of the day, though, the, the, his name became just like all the other, you know, little names, Moonbeam and Earth and along, playing alongside a Johnny. Okay, now, now, everything was going well until the end of the day, whenever the teacher called Fruit Stand over and said, Fruit Stand, where, where is your bus stop, son? You need, I need to know your bus stop so you can get on the right bus. And he didn't answer her. But, but uh, fortunately, um, the, the, uh, the, the teachers had asked the parents uh, to write their bus stop on the back of their name tag. And so all the teacher had to do was go to that boy, fruit stand, and turn over his name tag. And on the back of it was a, the stop that was neatly printed, Anthony. Some of you are getting it now. Names are important. Titles are important. And when we stop and we consider the proper name for Emmanuel, we find out its relevance and its, its importance. The Lord Jesus Christ. By understanding his official title, perhaps you and I can better welcome him in this season. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, the third commandment reminds us that we shouldn't take the name of the Lord in vain. However, many people, including Christians, play pretty fast and loose with that commandment, that his name doesn't mean as much as it really does. But I want to remind you that he is no longer a baby, that he did grow up, and that he is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of all. And as a matter of fact, the earth, under the earth and above the earth, that means everything, okay? But we get this understanding during this time of year of the Lord Jesus Christ because it puts us in a mindset to understand that here we received the God of universe as he stepped off the portals of heaven and he came and he clothed or he veiled his divinity in the flesh and walked among us. We forget sometimes that his name means, <laughs> well, Lord. The term Lord refers to a Greek term, Kyrios, and to a Hebrew term, Adonai and Yahweh. To other cultures, it, it refers to their gods or to a ruler that acts as God or even as a really, really polite way of calling a ruler, sir. Like, Lord, would you not kill me, sir? Okay? But the Bible tells us that Jesus was giving, given the title Lord by God the Father. This demonstrates his divinity. If you were to call him Lord, you must therefore call him, uh, call yourself servant. Think about that. He can't be called Lord by you unless you call yourself servant. If we allow God, or if we allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life, then he has lordship over every part of our life. It's not good enough to call him Lord, but to, but to reserve aspects of who we are just to ourselves. If he's Lord of all, then he's Lord of your relationship with your wife, sir. He's Lord of your relationship with your husband, ma'am. He's Lord of your kids. He's Lord of your finances. He's Lord of your house. He's Lord of your car. He's Lord everywhere you go, and you trust him with everything. Anything less, and he's not Lord at all in your life. You and I call him Lord because it means something. But I'm so glad that he's Lord, and it's him that's Lord, and not some of us. <laughs> because the truth is, is that if we really had the ability to be Lord of our lives, then we would be a tyrant, even unto ourselves. That we would, we would be tyrannical in our lives and controlling. But Jesus is not that way as Lord. He's loving and full of grace and mercy. And when we call him Lord, the only thing that he demands of us is to be like him. 
You see, it would be one thing if he came to this earth in a way to be Lord, but instead he came to this earth and he said it himself that he came to be a servant. Isn't that wonderful? That our Lord came to serve us. And if he set that example for our life, then we should be here to serve him and others. And as this Christmas season reminds us that we are to not only call him Lord, but we are to call ourselves servant. You know, uh, Paul or John referred to himself as a love slave to him. He was a servant of love. Jesus taught us that even as a master was a servant, we, the servants, must be servants. Making him Lord of our lives makes us servants to all because Jesus lived that example before us. But then we get to the Lord Jesus and we find out what Jesus means. I want to tell you about a song that many of you know. It was in a small church. Audrey, she was 43 years old, and she was in the middle of helping with a Christmas play. It was at a Bethel Union Church in uh, Dorado, I don't know how to say this, Dorado, California. They were uh, using, uh, they were doing a Christmas play, and, and uh, the, the kids were doing what they were supposed to, and the adults were doing what they were supposed to. It was a smaller church, and it was decorated with pine boughs. You could smell the pine in the air, and, and you could tell really at the end of that play that, that the Spirit of the Lord had moved on that congregation, and, and people were reminded of what Christmas was all about, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room, not because of allergies. But at the conclusion of the play, I want to read to you out of her personal journal what, what she wrote. At the conclusion of our play, I took my place on a, on a pew near the front. The pastor, Dr. Luther Meyer, uh, my brother-in-law, stood up slowly, lifted his hands towards heaven and said, His name is wonderful. Those words electrified me. I immediately began writing in the back of my Bible. As I wrote, I was thinking that God has something he once said. I wrote a simple chorus and I sang it that night for the young people around the piano. They sang it immediately. It wasn't hard for them to learn. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Master of everything. Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd. The rock of all ages, almighty, there it is, is he, bow down before him, love and adore him, his name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. You see, Jesus, the name above every name, comes from a Hebrew word or name, Yeshua, meaning the Lord or Yahweh is salvation or the one who saves. In the New Testament, this name is used 979 times. Almost a thousand times in Scripture, we are reminded that Jesus is the one who saves. There is no other name, no other name in heaven and earth by which man may be saved. Save the name Jesus. And then his final title, Christ. The Messiah or the Anointed One. This is part of Jesus' title. It links him to the Old Testament prophecies that there would be a king that would come and he would rule and reign forever and upon his shoulders would be the government and he will place all back on an even scale and he will destroy the evil for all time. Doesn't that sound pretty good? I can get behind somebody that will do that. <laughs> See, other faith traditions are also looking for the Messiah, Muslims and Jews. But whenever they hear the word Messiah, they are looking forward into the future because they don't believe that the Messiah has already come. But we know that when we hear Christ, we don't look into the future. We look into the Word of God. And we can look into a twice-born heart and life because His Spirit lives within us. We have a relationship with the Messiah, with the one that will hang everything in the right balance. And this morning, He is the one that wants so badly to hang your life in the right balance, to bring you completion and wholeness, to bring you love in your life. He's the King of Kings, and He will fulfill all the prophecies that the, that are on the Messiah, are a part of who the Messiah will be. The Bible says that He will wipe every tear from their uh, from their eyes. The Bible reminds us that He will take away all sickness, all pain. That His Holy Spirit, when He comes into your life, removes you, removes all the guilt and the shame from your sin. That He can not, not only make you right with, between Him and, and, and you, but He can help make your relationship right with other people. That He can, that he can uh, allow healing and comfort to come into your life. That He doesn't just take away the pain, but he comes in and he creates all things new. And that's the kind of prophecy, uh, prophecy that, that speaks to his title of Christ, the Messiah. So whenever I read his entire title to you, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But if I were to translate it into modern language, remember the Lord, the I am, the divinity, it, I would read it like this. I am the one who saves and will reign forever. That's his title, folks. The Lord Jesus Christ, the I am, will reign forever and ever. And by the way, he'll save you too. Praise God. 
You see, Jesus, or this Christmas, don't leave Jesus in the manger. Remember that he stepped out of the portals of heaven and became Emmanuel, God with us, and that he is God, and that he will save you, and he will reign forever and ever. But there is one other name that I want to give to you this morning. He is the Prince of Peace. Say it with me, Prince of Peace. The Personnel Journal reported this incredible statistic. I want you to hear this. Over all recorded time, they calculated out that the world has only had 8% of peace during that entire time. Less than 8% of that time has been spent in complete peace. There has been 286 years precisely of peace and over uh, the whole history, we know that uh, recorded history has only been 3,530 years. Now, of that time, over 8,000 peace treaties have been made and subsequently broken. 3.64 billion people have died in combat. And when we say we want peace, we really need peace, ladies and gentlemen. In a world filled with violence, it's difficult just to see how Jesus, the all-powerful God, would come into humanity and, and allow his peace to, to come in the form of Jesus, uh, the incarnate Godhead. But Jesus didn't mean a political harmony, and he didn't mean physical safety. He meant something different. And Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah 9, 6. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. But when we say peace in the English, we have a connotation of what that means. Uh, physical safety, political harmony. But you see, Isaiah didn't use the word peace. He, he used the word, word shalom. He is the prince of shalom. We translate it, when we say shalom, we translate it to peace. But the Hebrew word means something much deeper and something much richer. As a matter of fact, this was so important that this was the first thing that Jesus spoke to his disciples after his resurrection. And watch this, Luke chapter 24, verse 36. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now watch this. While Jesus was, was with him, he said that he came to bring peace. But that was the first time that Jesus spoke peace to his disciples. Don't you find that interesting? Don't you find that odd? But watch this. Jesus declared peace with them because, in fact, he said it twice. He said, Shalom Alechem. When, 
when Isaiah wrote about him, he said in 53, 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sin. He was beaten so that we could be whole. Peace. He was whipped so we could be healed. Peace only comes after the price has been paid. So it's after Jesus paid the price for, price for our sins. It's only after that that he could speak, peace be with you. Because peace or shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means uh, a safety, rest, prosperity, wholeness, welfare, completion, fullness, soundness, and even well-being. So when Christ spoke, peace be with you, he was saying, may you be blessed with safety and rest and with prosperity, with wholeness, with completion, with fullness, with soundness and well-being, and yes, with peace. That's the shalom that he came for us to bring us. That's the shalom that costs something. I'm blown away at the amount of money that people are willing to spend on Christmas, aren't you? I mean, I, I think that the, the statistics say that, that uh, at this point in the year, people have already gone through the amount of money that they actually had, and, and the rest of Christmas is going to be put on credit cards, and it's going to take them about two or three months in order for, for us to get over Christmas time. I mean, we're willing to buy everything to try to make things feel at peace in our lives, try to bring love to other people to, by showing them how much we love them, we buy them gifts. We, we, we do all these things in, in an effort to try to buy shalom. I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen, you can't buy shalom. It's already been bought, it's sold out, it's gone. But praise God. You can't buy it, but he wants to give it to you. You can't buy it, but you can receive it. You can't, you can't earn it. It's a free gift. He wants you to have shalom, and that is the good news. Shalom alechem, peace be with you. He's already purchased it. So, who do you say he is? Jesus posed that question to the disciples. Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are this Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Was he corrected by Jesus in that moment? No. Not a chance. He said, Simon was blessed and that it was revealed to him by the Heavenly Father. So the real question this Christmas is, who do you say he is? Who do you say Jesus is? Many of us want a, a more intimate relationship with Jesus. I'd like to believe that that statement was true. The truth is probably a little different. Many of us want to benefit from a relationship with Jesus. Does that sound more true? 
We want to have peace, right? We want to feel God's presence with us, right? But many of us are scared because that means something. That requires something from us that we have to make him the Lord of our lives. But you see, in order to receive God's presence, in order for God to be with you, in order for you to have peace, you have to do it his way. And this Christmas time should remind us that you can't buy peace and that you can't be right with God unless you come to him his way. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not one toy you can buy your kids that's going to make them happy eternally, okay? As a matter of fact, many of you are going to buy the, the biggest and nicest toy that you can buy for the kid, and five minutes later, they're going to be inside the box that that toy came in, okay? <laughs> Been there. Took me like three hours to build it, too. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing. Some of us need to be reminded that he is with us in this season. Your prayer could be that you're depressed, that you feel lonely, that you feel hurt and pain, but he is with you. Some of you, you're challenged today because you realize that he's not the Lord of your life. Don't wait. Don't drag your feet on it. Because tomorrow is not promised to us that all at once everything could be over. His return is in a, it, imminent. Thank you. He could come back before we dismiss. In this Christmas season, the world wasn't expecting Jesus to come in a manger. I promise you, the world will not be expecting for how he's going to come in the near future. Would you stand with me all over this place? Perhaps today, some of you have tried to buy peace. You've tried to buy peace through presents. You've tried to buy peace through drugs, through alcohol, through relationships. You've tried to buy peace in all these various ways, but you still feel lonely. You still feel sad. You still feel hurt and pain. And I want to remind you that he is our shalom, who has broken down every wall and separated you from God. He has come to make you right with God. That he is the Lord Jesus Christ who will reign forever, who saves, who is God. And, and that he is with us. Would you bow your head in this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for sending your son to us. Lord, that we would know him and understand him. Lord, that we would not just know 
who he is, but we would know him in our hearts and our lives. Lord, if there are individuals in this place, Lord, within the sound of my voice right now, I pray that you would move on their hearts, Lord, so that they could experience your presence in a powerful way and change their life today. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you know the Lord today? Do you know him as your, as your Prince of Peace? Do you know him as Emmanuel? Do you know him as the Lord Jesus Christ? If you don't know him today, I want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand right now. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. This is a private moment between you and the Father, but I want to know, I want to pray with you. Would you simply raise up your hand so I can pray with you? Thank you. Yes. You would like to know the Lord today. Praise God. Thank you for that hand. And today, I... I want so badly for us to know him. Would you grab the person's hand on your right and your left? As a people of God, we believe this. We believe that when we combine our faith, when we combine our faith with one with another, that God hears those prayers and will answer those prayers. This morning, there's more than likely a person on your right and your left with a, with a need in their life. And whatever the need is, it's answered with Christ Jesus, with Emmanuel, with the Prince of Peace. Would you pray for that person on your right and your left? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, God. Jesus, please be here in this place and answer the prayers of your people, Lord. During this Christmas season, let them know who you are, Lord, that you reign and rule supremely in their life. Lord, that we would know you, Lord, not just know of you, but we would know you intimately, Lord, that we'd have a relationship with you built in honesty and in truth. Lord, that we would come to you on your terms, Lord. Humble our, our lives, submit them to you, Lord, and make you the Lord and the master of our life. Lord, I pray, God, that we would become servants, Lord, loyal subjects of you, Lord, giving you every part, giving you access to everything. Lord, have your way in our hearts and our lives. Have your way in this place, oh Lord. Father, I pray, God, that we would remember during this season, Lord, that we don't celebrate something, but we celebrate you, Lord, the Lord and the Master, Emmanuel, God with us. We give you all the praise. Now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would grant us the ability to walk out of this place and bring your light, the good news that you came, that you lived a perfect life, and you died our death, Lord, so that you could raise again taking with you the keys to heaven, uh, to, uh, to hell and, and, and the grave. And Lord, that you have a promise with us, for us, that you'll take us with you, that you'll for, forgive our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to take that news, Lord, to our friends, 
to our family, to our community that is hurting and lost, that we can be your light this season. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go be a light to our community.